Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Sustaining Voices Podcast. Sourcing Journal Sustaining Voices celebrates the efforts the apparel industry is making towards securing a more environmentally responsible future through creative innovations, scalable solutions, and forward-thinking initiatives that are spinning intent into action. This podcast series is made possible by Cotton Incorporated, a not-for-profit company funded by U.S. cotton producers and importers whose mission is to increase the demand and profitability of cotton. Discover what cotton can do. Good morning, everyone. My name is Edward Hertzman, founder and president of Sourcing Journal. Transparency has been a hot topic in apparel recently, but the industry is still struggling to gain visibility into much of the supply chain. And as a result, it is missing opportunities for improvement. A recent report from the International Corporate Accountability Roundtable outlines the benefits brands and retailers could realize if they truly made transparency a priority. Today, we're here with Allison Keel Friedman, Executive Director of the ICAR, to discuss what's holding the industry back, the catalyst for change, and the possible rewards. Welcome, Allison. It's nice to be here. Thank you. ICAR works to encourage governments to create and enforce rules over corporations that promote human rights and reduce inequality. And as a part of that effort, um, you have developed a pledge. Can you just tell us a little bit about how that works? ICAR helps coordinate a pledge that really was a brainchild of a broad coalition of labor and human rights organizations. Um, And the pledge is basically a common minimum standard for supply chain disclosure in the apparel industry. Um, And and what it fundamentally requires is that a brand or retailer publish on its website and update on a regular basis a list naming all sites that manufacture its products. How can being proactively transparent help a company become more profitable? I know this is a big question that a lot of companies have. What's your perspective on this? So I've been working on transparency for close to 20 years now. And and when I first started working, I wound up talking to a major apparel manufacturer who talked about polling their suppliers. and, And on average, each supplier was getting a monitoring visit from a different company every two weeks and and what you would hear from the individual suppliers is look we spend all our time adjusting <laughs> adjusting the fire extinguisher on the wall to the individual specs rather than actually engaging in the workers rights protections that that you as a company are asking for or producing the product and so um 
the what we've seen in the industry is the more that that companies are transparent about their supply chains um, and and where they're sourcing, the more kind of common savings can be created and the more investments can go into either supply chain efficiency or um, the promotion of, of workers' rights and, and human rights in, in ways that, that we know um, consumers are looking at now more. Allison, that is such a crazy example you gave because I have ingrained in my mind uh, a, vi- a visit to a factory in Bangladesh and they were explaining to me that they have three lines on the wall where they where they put the fire extinguisher based upon the retailer. So, you know, X feet off the ground, retailer from China. A few feet higher, American retailer. A few feet higher, German retailer. And I'm saying, well, who in the factory could actually reach some of these things? So to your point exactly, it's, it's so much of this is smoke and mirrors perception for the brands versus actually what is best in the, you know, best practices and safety for the actual factory. So uh, that's really a great, a great example. Um, and it also shows you the inefficiency and some of the stupidity that uh, is still, still out there. I hate to be so blunt. Um, so I want to, I want to touch upon a, a report that ICAR recently released and it talked about the benefits. The benefits could be fourfold, with one area being reputation. Can you can you t- elaborate on that a little bit? What we found is, with increased transparency, um, like the transparency pledge, uh, where brands are required to at least t- once a year, but ideally twice or more, uh, list all sites that manufacture its cut make and trim and authorize subcontractors for finishing processes, um, including their name, full address, parent company of the business at the site, the type of products made, the worker numbers at each site in ranges. It doesn't have to be exact. Um, the company's adherence to to increase transparency does increase positive reputation with various stakeholder groups, including investors and consumers, employees at a retail level, civil society, and advocates and government officials and regulators. So when we talk about supply chain, you know, everyone is attempting to become more efficient today thanks to the need to improve speed to market. They want to reduce inventory, they want to replenish quickly, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that being more transparent helps achieve the speed-to-market strategy? So I worked a fair bit on President Obama's executive order on government procurement, which applied to both labor and goods and and increased transparency down the supply chain. And, And as we were evaluating that, we spent... A lot of time, obviously, looking at what was the right thing to do, but also what would be the business impacts of any regulation. And and in my outreach to a number of different companies, as we were doing that exploration, what they told us back was, you know, consistently across company, across industry, look, we got into this for the right reasons. We got into this because we cared about people. But what we found when we started to look down our supply chain and and adopt these practices, including but not limited to transparency, that that investing in rooting out 
human trafficking brought with it a number of other collateral benefits. Um, not surprisingly, when workers know what they're getting paid and what the job is, uh, they produce better quality work on time. And, and the more visibility that companies get into their supply chains, the more they're able to root out other inefficient processes that, that do wind up going to bottom line profitability and on-time delivery. Do, do you think that's why investors are now paying more attention to transparency or, you know, or have, or am I wrong? I mean, ha, have you seen an uptick? I mean, I believe that there's been an uptick in investor um, interest in, in how brands are, are behaving specifically around transparency. I, I think you are right. I think there has been an uptick. Uh, and I think there are a number of different factors that, that contribute to that. Um, the, Thomas Hiscox, who's a statistician at Harvard, did a, a number of studies a while ago um, about how individual consumers react to labels around fair labor standards and found that there was a really significant uptick, not only in demand, but in price elasticity that, that individual consumers would pay for responsibly sourced products. But I also think when you're looking at kind of the broader investment investor community, um, there is increasing recognition that unscrupulous and non-transparent labor processes pass risks up the chain, but very rarely save things. Um, and, and that, and therefore the more transparent, the more honorable, uh, you know, supply chain due diligence is, you know, the less risk you have, um, both in going to market and in talking to investors and, and for kind of brand sustainability. So I hate to say this, but, you know, despite all the positive uh, benefits and the advancements of sustainability, transparency, circularity, I still consistently hear across company, you know, and across supply chains and, and whether you're on the factory side or the brand side or the retailer side, cost is still a big issue, right? And now we have the tariff issues coming into play and, and there's wages are going up and, you know, input costs are going up. So cost is always a major concern in the apparel and footwear market. And I think that's not going away. And we just have to be honest about that. But if a brand decides to become more transparent, when can they start to see a return on their investment? I think that's a good and fair question. And and the reality is that that we don't have as much data as I would like to be able to give you on when those returns come. But kind of conceptually, one, we know that the cost of disclosure is minimal. And so the immediate upfront costs of additional transparency really don't put a significant strain on costs. We're not talking about a shift in worker wages. We're not talking about, you know, shifts in, in where you're sourcing. We're simply saying that there is value in disclosing that. And, and I think there's value to the broader community, there's value to worker rights, but there is also value that can quickly be realized 
by the company in beginning to, as we talked about earlier, know who else is sourcing from the same factories you are, and then reducing the costs associated with monitoring visits. You know, there are, there are a number of apparel industry consortiums that have agreed to share monitoring costs in in joint factories, and that's an immediate cost savings. I, th- I spoke a little bit earlier about, you know, the increasing visibility into one supply chain creating cost savings around having a worker recruitment and turnover challenges reduced significantly because you have workers who ultimately know what they're getting into and committed to staying. And and what we have seen is the collateral damage of a lack of transparency in the supply chain comes with some additional costs related to the types of workers that are recruited and then hired may not be the most qualified or the most inclined to stay. Allison, you bring up such a good point. It's virtually free for a company to disclose their suppliers uh, today. And we've seen companies like Everlane build a tremendous business around being sustainable. Uh, They have They've built trust with their suppliers. They build trust with their with their consumers, and it's it's been a great case study in, in how a company can do the right thing and and be successful. With all that being said, there still seems to be a lot of resistance um, from all parties in the supply chain to disclose who they're working with, and and why is that, and and wh- how do they get over this? You know, should you know? And it seems to be that today. In a world with everyone having a cell phone and 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 social media, um, you're only one click away from being disclosed anyway. So, so what's your advice to companies that are resistant? I think the hesitancy is born of a couple of different factors, and 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 I do think we're evolving beyond that jointly. So, so it used to be, I think that that kind of the the intellectual property around and your competitive edge um, was wholly contingent upon where you were sourcing and and the savings related to arbitrage there. I think we are seeing the economy move beyond that and that the the savings and the value that can come out of you know, really being transparent about where you're sourcing um, what your policies are related to worker rights and working within industry to really lift the standards that we're seeing across the board leads to a shared cost and a more, you know, an ethical competition framework that I think ultimately behooves all companies that are operating ethically. I also think those of us in the transparency movement came of age at a time when if there was a workers rights violation the the immediate response was to boycott and i think the nonprofit sector has has evolved and is continuing to evolve into our understanding that actually transparency is a good thing and incentives for rooting out labor abuses and other issues when they happen requires that we put 
more of an emphasis on whether companies are looking and investing and doing the right thing and if there are issues, addressing them as they come up responsibly. And and so I think the risks associated with a transparency around a supply chain that may have problems at some point are also mitigated by a more sophisticated nonprofit sector that that understands that that these are evolving challenges and and need to be honored as such. Do you think that a lot of the resistance is related to the fact that despite all the technology and all the boots on the ground there's still a lot of subcontracting. There's still a lot of inability for companies to truly trace their supply chain. And they're afraid that, you know, they have they may have a piece of paper in their drawer that says they're manufacturing in X, but but the reality is they may not know or they don't want people to know that it's really being made or finished in X, Y, and Z. And so they don't want to open a can of worms or they just themselves don't even they can't even say with certainty where the goods are being made and finished. Yeah, I mean, look, I would draw a distinction from the first part and the second part. I, I, I think it is no longer acceptable when you are looking at optimization globally and 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 companies are making arbitrage choices precisely on the cost savings, you know, to argue that companies don't actually know where their goods are coming from. If if that is true, that's a fundamental problem and an irresponsible corporate stewardship. Is it true that there are some companies who prefer to not focus on figuring out where exactly their suppliers are, are sourcing and what the conditions on the ground are? Absolutely. Um, I honestly believe that will not be a sustainable business practice going forward. And the question really is whether or not companies use the t- the opportunity right now um, to invest in figuring out and identifying where their risks are and joining a broader movement to increasing transparency and better protection of worker rights, which, which again... <laughs> Abusing workers doesn't save companies money and it increases not only reputational risk, but access to capital risk. I think Erston Young just did a study that said 19.1% of investors would rule out an investment immediately um, and 63% would reconsider investing if there were significant human rights risks associated with their investment. I mean, companies in any business decision, there's basic due diligence that has to happen to protect the pipeline and and investments going forward. And, and I think we've just been slow to recognize that that visibility into a supply chain for these in, you know environmental and social standards really matters and needs to be included in that. So Allison, I just want to 
kind of wrap up with one last question uh, before we go. You, I really appreciate your time and you shared a lot of insightful information today. Is there any last words uh, for our audience out there that, you know, things that they should be considering? Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate the focus on this. And I think the broader issues related to how you protect worker rights in in an environment where I fully acknowledge the pressure on costs are and keeping costs down are significant. And I don't think we've yet to do a good job of creating the business incentives for investing in people and labor in the same way that we do around investing in capital. What I do know um, from years of working on these issues with you know, industry executives across various industries and the federal government and nonprofits and consumers is the trend lines are really clear, right? You know, buyers, investors, and the government, whether it be Republicans or Democrats, are increasingly looking to worker rights protections within the corporate space as an arbiter of where we should be going. And so the question, I think, before all of us who who have a part to play in this is not where it's going, but how fast and do we get ahead of regulations in a way to shape them that enable you know, businesses to thrive and and honor their responsibility to the bottom line and shareholders, but also our broader responsibility to respect workers' rights. And I think there are already best practices in the field related to the transparency pledge and and other supplier sharing and banning of recruitment fees and and how one calculates wage rates that that really matter and and have been proven to not impact a company's ability to be profitable. So Allison, really appreciate your time today. Allison Keel Freeman, Executive Director of ICAR. Allison, if there's anyone that wants to get in touch with you or your organization, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, they can email me, Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, at ICAR, I-C-A-R, dot NGO. All right. Thank you again for your time, Allison. Thank you. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.